Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian, Mercedes Nickel. Thanks so much for dropping in on Series 6. Now, this is a fun series about what it was like to be on the road as a national team athlete and Olympian. I've reached out to a bunch of retired athletes to see what it's like or what it was like to be on the road. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode 56. Let me introduce the guests that we will be dropping in with. A birthday gift in 1998 at the age of nine years old from his parents may have changed our next guest's life. Having a natural talent for his sport, he was a forerunner at the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. He's raced at X Games and his first World Cup medal was in 2011 and things just went on from there. He raced at two Winter Olympics, his first being the Sochi Games in 2014, and that was followed by a first place in a World Cup in Spain, as well as taking home Canadian national champion. He raced his second World Cup, a uh, second Winter Olympics in 2018 in Pyeongchang. Now, all of this didn't happen without injuries. He's had his fair share, compression fractures of his T7 and T11 vertebra, broke his left ankle, a serious knee injury, grade four dislocation, full ACL and LCL ruptures. His last injury took 22 months of rigorous rehabilitation, ending his snowboard cross career. Well, he is now a performance analysis analyst. <laughs> for Canada Snowboard in the Snowboard Cross team, who just took home three medals at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. I'd say that birthday present paid off. This son, friend, snowboarder, two-time Olympian, seven-time World Cup medalist, World Cup World Champion medalist, and Canadian national champion is now a performance analyst. Let me introduce Chris Robanski. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good, Mercedes. How are you doing? <laughs> thank you for dropping in today. Yeah, thank you for that fantastic uh, bio. I couldn't have done it better myself. <laughs> You've done a lot <laughs> in your career. You have done a lot. And it's cool to see that you were at the Beijing Olympics and helped Canada get, Canada get those three medals. I was really proud. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty wild experience for, for all of us, actually, right? I mean, it, uh, it's a pretty surreal moment to be part of that. And be part of that team atmosphere when it's just firing all cylinders and the teamwork is right there and everyone's so supportive so it was really cool i'm glad so you're just freshly kind of home from beijing and now you're dropping in and i start with 10 rapid fire questions that you have not seen are you ready okay let's do it okay number one because this is the on the road series what's one thing that you traveled with that was a must-have for your sport must have for our sport. Mm -hmm. Well, I would always say 
myself and all the other athletes, you always need to carry your own screwdriver and binding parts because you can break bindings every day and it's annoying when you don't have the right buckle and you're trying to mix and match stuff. So for sure, for our sport, you need to have like the proper parts to fix, to fix your, your equipment on the road. For sure. Awesome. Um, number two, who is the most high profile contact in your phone right now? Most high profile contact in my phone. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> it may not be like high profile to you, but other people it could be. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. There's a lot of contacts. I don't, I don't even know where they came from. I think maybe LinkedIn or something like put them in or, uh, well, I mean, of course there's you, there's a bunch of other, uh, <laughs> My reti yeah, retired or semi-retired athletes <clears throat> from all levels yeah. of sport. Uh, but I couldn't really find, or I couldn't really think of just one. Um, that's fine. That's a great question. There's I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna go look in your phone later and be like, "Oh, I should have said that." That's okay. I, I, uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. What is the top song or playlist that you have on right now? You know what? I'm terrible with making playlists. Mm -hmm. um, my former roommate, who's also an Olympian, Darren Gardner, on our Alpine snowboard team. I somehow still have some of his Spotify playlists linked to my account. Yes. And he's usually he's usually pretty good. Like he's always making playlists and stuff. So I usually I just log that. into Spotify and then just see whatever playlist he's got going and then just kind of poach it from like wherever I am in the world. <laughs> I need to learn how to do that. I'm I have Spotify and I don't poach anyone's. Well, I poach like random people I don't know songs. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, he, he's he's got a good taste for music. So I usually uh just find one he's got a good one called driving that i like you know because we're usually driving so no <laughs> totally nice <laughs> nice number four if you could go back to an olympics would you choose winter or summer that's tough because i've never i've never been to a summer games everything i've heard it's like a winter's winter olympics but on steroids because there's just yeah. so many more sports there's so many more athletes the villages are bigger the venues are bigger um so i actually uh kelty hansen my partner we were actually yeah. like years ago planning to go to tokyo 2020. Um, yes. we we really wanted to go and we wanted to experience the summer games and we thought tokyo was going to be like the right timing for our lives as well as like such a cool experience and then obviously with everything that's happened in the last two years with the pandemic and some life decisions and stuff, it was just like, you know what, it's just not the right time to go to the summer games. So, I mean, I've kind of been now to, I guess, a four winter Olympics in some way or form, <clears throat> and they are all very similar in some, some aspects. So I think going to the summer would be, uh, summer games would yeah. be really cool and something I need to check off the list eventually. Me too. Me too. Awesome. Uh, number five, if you were invisible, what is the first thing that you would do? If I was invisible? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. If I was Challenging questions here. Yeah. What would I do? I 
Well, because I, you know, now that I'm living in Vancouver and uh, we were in Squamish before. So I think if I was invisible and my car was also invisible, I would skip a lot of traffic, especially if I was heading up to Whistler. I would just like ride that shoulder and just skip all of the traffic <laughs> on the way up to the village. <laughs> that is a good answer. Honestly, every time I ask that, my first thing is like, rob a bank. I don't want to rob a bank. <laughs> it's just the first thing that comes to my mind. But, but is it, it's kind of a... It's kind of a catch twenty two because if you're invisible, you're basically going to be doing something that's breaking the law in some exactly. in some form. <laughs> so it's like you got to be careful how you answer that question. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Uh, number six: big city or small town? Small town, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But you're in a big city right now while Kelty is doing school. Yes, masters taking one for the team. Yeah, but it's uh, it'll be good in the long term, right? So, oh my gosh, I'd love to have a physio in my house full time. I know, right? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number seven. We're almost there. There's only ten. Number seven. What is the biggest risk that you have taken? Oh, there's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, as you know. I mean, anytime you get on a snowboard cross track, I feel like you're taking a risk. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of like a, it's a controlled risk, right? Even though there is mm -hmm. a lot of variables with other people and challenging conditions sometimes and challenging courses. Um, mm -hmm. It's all usually within everyone's for the most part. And it's not dangerous. You get really used to riding close to people. And yeah. especially when you're at the World Cup and you're at the higher end of the riders, um, there's a good race flow. You know how everyone operates, how they ride. Um, usually they're, they're not out there to, to literally take you out on purpose and create injury. So. <clears throat> Cause you're but kind I of mean, all friends too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? You're going weekend to weekend traveling with the same athletes from other countries at different venues and you'd have to still get along with each other. But I think the biggest, if I were to think of the biggest risk I've ever taken, was it was in 2011 um at the x games it was the last year they built like the really big courses right and i actually ne i actually didn't get a start um until the day before uh qualification because they had at that time they were only inviting i think 26 athletes for men and mm -hmm. they had two days of training and i think something around 14 or 16 people injured and couldn't compete because the course was so dangerous. And did you happen to just be there? So I went down to uh, Steamboat Springs to do a, like a North America North. I had nothing mm -hmm. to do. And I went down there being like, you know what, maybe if for whatever reason there's an extra spot, at least I'm in Colorado and I'm closer. And sure enough, um, there was unfortunately enough injuries. Mm -hmm. I ended up sliding in for a spot. So I was with the BC team at the time and we woke up at, I think it was like three or four in the morning from Steamboat and drove straight to Aspen. And luckily this was at the time when like Gobage was just starting to come out. And I remember a rider posted his head, head cam footage on YouTube of the course. And I, that's how I memorized the course overnight. And <laughs> I, I showed up at like, 
<clears throat> I showed up at like five or six, seven in the morning, something like that, and had this course memorized and got on the chairlift with our team and our head coach at the time. And I was like, all right, who's who's riding fast? Because I only get I only get two chances to clean this course from top to bottom before I have to do uh, a qualification run. And he goes, yeah, you should follow Kevin, Kevin Hill. And so sure enough, I get in the gate and then I just follow him down. And I mean, the course was huge. Like, I mean, there was a, a, a triple, I remember, that was like probably close to 90 feet. And it was totally blind, like step down midway through the course. There was just big jumps. And I think the last jump from the takeoff to the landing was like just over a hundred feet. Um, so sorry for our listeners, you, you do snowboard cross, which is a race with at the Olympics, four guys at the X games. Was it six guys that went down at the same time? Yeah. And the Olympics was, um, for 24 and 2018. Oh, okay. um, but now to re- re- and uh, prevent injuries, it's back down to four. And the X Games was always six. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, that, that was yeah, that was definitely the biggest risk I took. Um, it was a big burly course, and I kind of just was like, our, it was my first time competing at a major event, let's say, like yeah. bigger than uh, a World Cup in my mind. And yeah. I just dropped in hoped for the best uh stuck on the tail of of my teammate kevin made it down two times in a row and then went up did my qualification and and somehow qualified eighth so i didn't have to go do a second run i only had to do one run time trial love it i love it yeah it was a big risk and uh yeah inevitably broke my back the next day but it was uh in the race with other people yeah yeah in the race with other people um but I mean, at the end of the day, that's part of our sport, right? You got to take those risks yeah. and take the chance to uh, really kind of show show yourself. Yeah, exactly. So lucky to walk away from it, but <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh, that is a big risk for sure. Like, and and I think a lot of our listeners might not know that you do have to memorize the course before you go down it. Like, that's a big yeah. part of it, right? Yeah, a lot of visualization. Um, Basically, it's uh, you're memorizing the course down to fractions, right? So, I mean, you kind of know where every little bump, every little roll is exactly where there's grip in some of the turns, like where it's icy, where there's a bit better grooming. Yeah, you really kind of dial it in and and, and uh, have it fully memorized and dialed in because you can basically do it with your eyes closed, right? So. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So cool. Um, number eight, <laughs> after her, after you've, you've just been retired and like not that long. So this is going to be an interesting question for you after retirement. And now that you've gone to an Olympics, um, not as an athlete, has your view on the Olympics changed at all? I wouldn't say my view on the Olympics has changed. Um, you know, for sure, I'm on the safer side of the fence now, um, which is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which for my body is like, they're, it's pumped. Um, yeah. However, you know, like um, someone told me years and years ago that there's two types of athletes that go to the Olympics. There's those who go for the experience and there's those who go to compete. Yeah. And that's really resonated with me, especially through my two games that I competed in, as well as, um, 
you know, the energy that I brought to our team this year was, you know, we're going there to, um, yeah, we have, we have a super strong team. We have really good riders, really good preparation all year, considering what's called, you know, we felt as if everyone was ready to perform and, and sure enough, mm-hmm. you know, like we went there to compete. So it's uh, so true. I'd never heard that one before, <laughs> but yeah, like you do, you look at some people and you're like, oh, they're just there for that experience because they're not really holding up for their countries to each their own. <laughs> yeah, to each their own, right? And the Olympics for everyone is is different. And some periods yeah. is the most important aspect and that's totally fine. However, uh, yeah. just in my, you know, for me personally, it was more about the competition. Um, and to showcase our I mean our, I don't think team. you go twice I don't think you go twice if you're just there for the experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe some do. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't. But <laughs> Okay, number number 8 because we're talking about on the road, what is yeah. the best way to travel? The best way to travel. Mm. Uh, well, it hasn't been invented yet, but it probably time travel, you know, just yes. like, or like teleportation. That would be great. Um, would there's be a so lot great. of, <laughs> a lot of time and energy, right? Like, especially like this year we went, um, we flew to Europe. We did a training camp member. Then we went to China for our test event. Then we went back to Europe for more events, home for a few days at Christmas. And then we went to Europe. And then to uh, Eastern Russia, so only one hour time zone change from Beijing, back to Europe, and then back to China, and then home. And it was like a lot of airplane time, a lot of bouncing around. Um, So for sure, like, if you can travel like first class on, on those flights or business class, it makes it so much easier. It's so much easier on your body um mentally and physically it's just it's it's the way to go however we don't have that budget so we travel at the back (laughs) of the bus like the rest of everyone else and um it's uh for sure like you just get used to it right but i think i think the best way to travel though is just eating eating good food drinking lots of water it's going to help your body and just really kind of if you can get up every morning and you know stretch before your flights and kind of roll out it it really helps with like those long travel days good tips good tips i mean a lot of the world hasn't traveled in like two years so we're probably they're all gonna forget what it's like <laughs> and then well, you're gonna get was, to the airport, airport and be like oh the lines that was literally like me like because uh i basically years ago and then mm-hmm. for two and a half years and then i literally traveled at all yeah only in your scooter which i think everyone should look at your instagram because those scooter pictures are on point oh the um yeah yeah when i (laughs) that was when i was doing my knee rehab and then i rented a uh the mobility scooter so i could get around town in squamish i was like going going like grocery shopping and then ripping around town i was pretty bored so (laughs) i was like there's might as well take some photos with this thing so good (laughs) So good. I love it. Okay. Number 10, the last question in the rapid fire. That's never rapid, but everyone knows that. Um, what are the top three places that you have traveled to? Top three places. Um, mm-hmm. 
as for countries, it's probably number one, probably Austria. Um, we've been there so many times. It's probably our most travel base. I think for me, it feels a lot like my European home. Uh, yes. You know, I'm just really used to the people, the culture, understanding Germans getting a little bit better over the years. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like places like the Allberg, one of the big um, ski areas in um, in Austria, or you know you have places like like Meerhofen and Hintertux that are awesome. Uh, actually, tomorrow we're flying back over to Europe, and we're going to be over near uh, Reiterraum and Schlestad, which is kind of where a bunch of the ski races always happen every year. Um, cool. um, so yeah, yeah, it's just really cool area. Austria. Uh, second place. Uh, I've only been to Japan a couple times, but I love Japan. Um, yeah, would always want to go back. Um, would like to go do like a powder trip there to spend just like a whole month and just ride pow every day. That would be I fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so that's going on number two because it's like this. Okay. When I was there, the <laughs> conditions weren't so good. But um, number three, um, maybe New Zealand. Um, we spent like a full in New Zealand about eleven years ago, and then I haven't actually had the chance. And it reminded me a lot of like the West Coast here in Canada. A lot of yeah. big mountains right down to the ocean really nice people Great. good food good culture and like you know riding when we were there was really good as well and good snow conditions um yeah. so yeah definitely would like to go back and it was one of my favorite places that i have visited so nice that is the rapid fire we did there it there you go we did it. Never wrap it. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, for the listeners, uh, today we were recording on March 3rd because Chris said that he was leaving tomorrow, but this isn't coming out on March 4th. So it is what it is. Um, Chris, <laughs> because this is on the road, I want to hear some stories um, of the Snowboard Cross team. So for the listeners, that you might think that we all traveled together and we used to back in the day um, and go to world championships together and world cups together. Uh, but as things changed throughout the years, um, Halfpipe team went on Halfpipe trips, Snowboard Cross team went on Snowboard, trip, uh, snowboard Cross trips, and uh, we hardly get to see each other except at the Olympics. <laughs> That's what it seems yeah, like. Yeah, like there's only a few events, um, the Olympics, the world champs, and basically X Games when we were in it, it's been a few years, um, yeah. were the events, right? Got to see and mingle with the others. Uh, some of our World Cups, at least when I was competing four years ago, some of our World Cups were still with Alpine Snowboard. Um, okay. So there would be the occasional, maybe once, maybe twice a year. Yeah, but we're more so now closer with the ski cross team, right? Like our next events in right. March, uh, ski cross will be there as well. So that's been really cool for us. Uh, we have a good relationship with their team, their program, and they're awesome. So we've had like some good times with with the ski cross program the last couple of years. But yeah, and you guys travel um, with the women and the men for. Um snowboard cross which some yeah. sports they don't some sports are separate so you guys are like a family when you're traveling right 
Well, all about a family, but we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're all colleagues out there. Right. I mean, we're, we're yeah. one, we're one program and, um, you know, we're, uh, I think we're what 11 or 12 people total with, uh, six eights, depending on, uh, on the, on the day. So, um, you know, yeah, we try to keep it light and easy for everyone and, Hopefully everyone's still getting along here in March because uh, they've been on the road. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot <laughs> yeah. of time together. It is like I, I left November 2nd and then we, we had one week off for 10 days off at Christmas. We all got to separate and then yeah. we just got home last week. Uh, so we've had basically like almost the better part of four months together. Right. So you're ready to say goodbye. But you're going back on the road. <laughs> yeah, well, not ready to say goodbye, but for sure, like for everyone's mental health, it's good to have a bit of separation, right? And, yeah. you know, have everyone go home and see their friends and family and just enjoy a bit of a break, um, a well-deserved break. But at the same time, you know, yeah, tomorrow we get back to business. So Now, um, you joined the team in 2010 or 2011? Technically going into 2011 season. So I think it was like September 2010 or maybe September 2011. Um, so you missed the whole filming of the reality TV show that we did. <laughs> well, I was workshop. actually, uh, yeah, I I did miss it. Um, in, But I was in Whistler doing some training camps in the spring and you guys were filming. Okay. And I remember watching it and... Yeah. Oh, I'm did you big, watch like, it? I never watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I watched a little bit of it and it was like, wow. Okay. Well, the <laughs> snowboard cross team, the funny thing is the snowboard cross team was going to be in it. And then the coaches were like, hard no. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, so um, that's, that let's hear. sounds a lot like our previous coach. <laughs> oh, let's hear about some of those times on the road. Um, any crazy stories that happened? No, there's been lots of crazy stories, Mercedes. So some of them are PG, some of them are not PG. Let's go with PG if you want to share any. PG stories. <clears throat> there was this one time, I think it was January 2012. We just been home for Christmas and then we got back to Europe and we were going to Leo Gang, Austria, um, to do a little small kind of riding block before the first world cup of the year in switzerland and it's always a fun place in leo gang because hans york he's the owner of the hotel he used to compete in snowboard cross and oh, so cool. he's got he's got this really beautiful hotel it's called the kirkin and it's got one of highest rated wine cellar or best wine cellar something like this anyways beautiful okay. place beautiful beautiful hotel and we show up and hans york's got his accordion going and he's dancing he's also a musician so he's getting us all fired up and next thing we know we look outside and it's starting to snow and we're like oh that's great like there's going to be some fresh snow for tomorrow and we wake up the next morning and uh central austria like where we were staying received the most amount of snow they've ever received in a hundred years something like that and okay. it just snowed and snowed and snowed and literally it was like I, I think it snowed straight 
totally locked in. They couldn't open any of the roads in or out of the valley. Okay. And we were lucky because in that same town, one of our best friends used to be one of the best uh, freestyle riders uh, in, the, in the world, Stefan Gimple. Mm-hmm. And he was literally our local guide for the four or five there. And the, the, With the mountain opened. opened. Well, the mountain opened, but nobody could get in or out. So there was like <gasps> maybe 20 yes! people, maybe 20 people. And you're riding like chest to shoulder deep powder for like five oh days in a row God. it was like do you it was bring like he went do you bring skiing. your powder board with you or are you on like your race board doing this oh yeah no we all travel with like a free ride board okay good yeah yeah <laughs> just in case yeah. this happens and, you know you never know like i mean those race boards like they're they're very expensive there's a lot of time and work that uh blake our head serviceman puts into them to make them as fast as possible so we don't we don't really get to touch them unless we're going on a race course right so um, oh okay because i I never see you guys so that's super interesting you guys do you just care you do have those carrying cases and you'll carry them down to the top of the race course but you'll be on your free ride board uh most of the athletes now so like they'll have let's say they'll travel with six or seven boards um yeah it's six boards Basically, five of them are like full race prepped, and then one is what we call like a taxi, or like so they can ride that board around. It's the slowest of their quiver, and that board is basically to get them from A to B and to ride around and do inspection and stuff like that. Got um, it. Got it. But but then we always travel with that free ride board because you never know when you're going to get snowed into a valley and have waist to shoulder deep pow for a week. So <laughs> was it so was that like the best riding that you've had of your life probably? Yeah, we like going heli skiing. Um but you're at a resort and you're just riding untracked every day and then you have the local valley pro who it's his home mountain showing you literally all of the best spots to go. So I mean it was like completely surreal. Um so Still, I think it was still like the best powder I've had ever. I mean, it's, I always think back to that. It was 10 years ago now, but it was, uh, uh, it was so good. Such a good story. Yeah. Um, and where I thank you so much for sharing your stories and doing the <laughs> rapid fire. Thank you for dropping in I know it's kind of a lot sometimes. Um, no, where can people good. find you on, where can people find you online? If uh, they want to on- see that scooter shot. Oh yeah, so on the line, uh, scooter shots. You're gonna have to go back a little, uh, a little bit ways there. They're on my Instagram. Uh, it's at Chris Robanski. I'm on Facebook at Chris Robanski. I'm on LinkedIn, Chris Robanski. You can also find me at ChrisRobanski.ca, and awesome. I think that's about it. But yeah, you're everywhere. You're not hard to find online. That's awesome, Chris. Thank you so <laughs> much for dropping in. Yeah, thanks, Mercedes. It was great to see you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll play some golf this summer. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, please. Awesome. So much for dropping (laughs) in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice.
Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.